Welcome to the inaugural episode of the President's Podcast, where we interview one former FBLA national president to gain insights from their time with an FBLA, as well as their experience in college. I'm your host, Jack Sabo. Today, I'm joined by Euro Wang, the 2018-2019 FBLA national president. He's currently attending Oxford University. In this episode, we talk about his FBLA journey, some of the life lessons he's learned, and we get the opportunity to see where FBLA has taken him now. Like any good story, we start from the beginning of Euro's FBLA experience. Yeah, um, so I think my first interaction with FBLA was in freshman year uh, when I got to my high school and there was this fresh, like, like this club fair. Uh, I just signed up my name on this little piece of paper uh, or my, my name and my email. Uh, and they started emailing me. So the first event I really went to uh, was this kind of community service event where it was um, it happened to be, it was just me. Um, and the only other person there was the president at the time. Uh, and he was also the state president, uh, his name's Nicholas. He ran on to be uh, the national treasurer that year. And so I, I really got to bond with him and, and get to know a little bit more about FBLA and, and through him, I got really got plugged into FBLA. Um, so through him, I got plugged into local FBLA. Uh, I went to Atlanta for national leadership conference that year. Uh, I helped kind of campaign for him for his national treasurer election, which he won. Uh, and then after that, he sort of helped me get more plugged into state and national FBLA. Um, I think in, from the start, it was a little bit, I think for me, it was fundamentally about the community. Um, FBLA was more than just some, something to do after school. Um, it was where I found belonging, where I found friends, uh, and where I had some of the best memories of my high school. So in sophomore year, I served on two national councils, uh, which Nicholas encouraged me to apply to. Um, I ran for state office at the end of my, or in the middle of my sophomore year um, to serve as Massachusetts State Vice President of Programs. And <clears throat> uh, junior year, I served um, on the National President's Council uh, as executive assistant, um, which is basically the chief of staff position. Um, but back then I was called executive assistant. Um, then I, I think, you know, a lot of things sort of went right. Uh, I, you know, Nick encouraged me to, to run for national president, uh, just because, you know, regional office or region VPs, it's really hard coming from a really, really small state like Massachusetts. I think our membership is like 400 members, um, which is really tiny. Um, but he was like, you know, um, you've got really plugged into national FBLA. Um, you've done a lot for Massachusetts FBLA, uh, and you know, you, you should give it a shot. Um, and so with, with a lot of encouragement from both my local and state chapter, um, I, I, you know, um, I ran for national president, uh, and I, I somehow got elected. Um, and it was one of the best ex experiences of my life. Uh, and it was one of the greatest honors of my life serving as national president. Um, yeah, it, it was just so much fun, uh, and it was, it was really phenomenal kind of really seeing the ins and out of FBLA and, and truly serving members. So now you're, you know, two years, two or three years removed from serving as national president, looking back on it, you know, where did you guys kind of excel the most and like, what are you most proud of, of the time that you served as national president? Yeah. Um, I think it, it's. I, I was really fortunate that I got to experience a lot during my national presidency. Um, 
for example, Gene Buckley, the former CEO, was retiring that year. Um, and so as national president, you get to serve the board of directors. And the board of directors was conducting um, the CEO search uh, to replace Gene Buckley. I got to be involved in that, which was a fascinating process. Um, I got to learn a lot. Um, and, but that's just an example. I, I did a lot of, I, I was really fortunate to do a lot of really cool things. I went to, uh, I went on two big DC trips to lobby or not lobby, uh, to, to talk about FBI and to share about career technical education. Um, but I think the, the moment or the things I'm most proud of in FBLA, um, are, are sort of individual people I met, um, and people I, I've been able to share my story with, um, you know, I, I, as, as someone who moved from South Korea, um, FBLA was such a critical part of, of, of my journey, right. Um, in, in life, uh, it, it really helped shape who I am. Um, and it really helped find me a community that I belonged in. And I think through that, um, and, and helping members, uh, you know, it, whether it's just kind of, um, listening to, to a member share their story, um, and offering encouragement to, you know, just, just simple things, right. Um, you know, providing help on, on resources for, uh, studying for competitive events. Um, I think it was the individual interactions with members that really, um, made, made my presidency, um, so rewarding. So throughout this kind of podcast, you've talked a lot about how the people that you've met have really kind of shaped your FBLA future and then also, you know, your time out of FBLA. Can you share an example or a, a story of kind of how these relationships have carried out, not only through the four years of high school, but kind of into the future? Yeah, um, I, I think some of the friends I made in FBLA um, are still some of my closest friends to this day. Um, I guess just starting off Nick, I think he was probably the most influential person in my sort of FBLA journey. Um, you know, we, we still talk, we still send each other memes on Instagram. Uh, we, you know, um, we still chat and, you know, he's, he's been so critical because he's just been there for me, um, for, for all the kind of, um, highs and lows. Uh, and, you know, because he's gone through the process in FBLA, um, he really knew, kind of what, what to say, what to help with, uh, when I was going through everything in FBLA. Um, and, and, you know, even to this day, he, he offers a lot of wisdom. Uh, he, he just offers, um, you know, he just, he, he's just such a great guy and, and, you know, every, um, interaction I have with him, um, it's just, it's just so much fun. Um, and, and I just sort of get or learn something out of it. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of what's really valuable in FBLA. Um, it's a really, really incredible platform to meet such amazing people, um, like Nicholas. So I, I think part of it is like self-selection where, you know, people who are involved in FBLA or who are ambitious or people who really want to get involved in FBLA, um, are, are people who really care, um, care about others, care about things, care about their dreams. Uh, and, and those are the people I really like learning from, I really like surrounding myself with, uh, and I really enjoy spending my time with. So I think, you know, um, FBLA has, has given me a lot of, a lot of really, really great friends. Um, another name that really springs up to mind is Sabina. Um, she, um, served as a Georgia state officer, um, Georgia state secretary. Uh, and we were really good friends, uh, since, Anaheim NLC. That was my sophomore year NLC. Um, 
And, you know, it, it's, it was a friendship that really lasted past FBLA um, and really beyond FBLA. So, you know, we would just um, have like late night FaceTime calls to just talk about like random stuff all the way from like food to music um, and, and just, just, just hanging out together. Um, and, you know, she, she's someone I still keep in contact to to this day. Um, and I guess kind of my final shout out, I guess, goes to my um, some of my closest friends in my chapter, uh, like Javid, um, Sebastian, Stephen, uh, who were who really the f- core of my campaign team. Um, and, you know, they helped me instrumentally throughout my campaign, but they're just at, at, the, at the most fundamental level, they're friends. Um, and, you know, I still keep in contact with them. Uh, they're doing amazing things with their lives. Um, so are Nicholas and Sabina. Um, but yeah, I, I think FBLA has, has really given me a lot of friends throughout high school and, and to this day as well. So let's talk about uh, some of the nuances of campaigning. Obviously, you ran you know very successful campaign, elected national president. NLC elections are coming up in a couple months. What advice do you have for people that are considering you know running for a national office, whether it be you know national president or you know an eastern region vice president, any any type of of national office? Yeah, um, I think there's a few things. Um, First thing is find what makes you different and what makes you unique um, and make sure you really hone it. Um, so for me, I think what really separated me or um, whenever someone would ask why you, um, one of my answers would be about how I had the opportunity to serve on you know, three national councils as a state officer um, but not only did I just serve in those positions, but I actually did things in those positions, took initiative in those positions. Um, you know, when I was running, I was the only um, candidate with a state who, whose membership rose. Um, I um, created a few programs in Massachusetts FBLA while I was a state officer. Um, I uh, created 60 Second Sundays um, on my social media. Um, just like a social media initiative um, where it was like 60 second videos every Sunday. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. I, I think part of it is if you do a lot, if you really get involved right now in, in whatever capacity you have to serve members, um, it will really show when you're running. Uh, and a lot of your platforms, a lot of your campaign stuff can be based off the things that you do right now. Um, so, yeah, one thing is just take initiative now to help your, your your local chapter, your state chapter, um, if you're on a national council, do a lot. Um, I think the other thing is effort really goes a long way. Um, effort both in terms of um, doing a lot of work, um, but also just keeping up with people. Um, I think, you know, for, for all of us, keeping up with people is something that's quite hard, right? It's, especially if you're trying to meet a lot of people. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's just it's just making friends. Um, FBLA, you know, people vote for you um, because you're, you're competent and, you know, you will be the best person to, to lead whatever running for. Um, but also, you just, people vote for who they want to vote for because, you know, they're just a nice person. They're someone who's fun to be around. Um, they're a friend. Um, so, and, and, you know, if, if you lose... Um, but still make, you know, 50 friends, you still have those 50 friends that you kind of get out of, right? 
Um, which is, I guess, the whole like enjoy the process part. Um, yeah, I, th I think those two are the, the key advices I can sort of offer um, that's a little bit more general. Um, but yeah, uh, I, th I think those two are, are some of the most important that I felt for me. Um, yeah. So now that you have kind of had, you know, a couple years to reflect back on your entire FBLA journey, did you think that being from, you know, a small state like Massachusetts, 300, you know, 400 people was to your benefit, to your detriment, or kind of, was it just something that was there, but was never really, you know, made an impact? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think everything has its pros and cons. Um, you know, if I, if I came from a state like Georgia, um, I'm, I'm sure my experience would have been very, very different in both good and bad ways. Uh, I think coming from a smaller state in Mass like Massachusetts, um, I, I think there were benefits, definitely. Um, one was you got to be really close with, you know, a lot of people in your state chapter, just because it's not a flood of people. It's just, you know, people you sort of, there, there's there's only so many people that you can kind of, or people that you can really meet and, and stay in touch with. Something else is it made my job as vice president of programs a lot easier um, because, you're reaching out to kind of individual chapters um, and um, calling officer teams and in individual chapters. And that would have been impossible if there were, um, you know, hundreds of chapters. Um, and I also think coming from a smaller state, serving as a state officer w was rewarding in, in a way that you, you get to do more um, and you get to take more initiative. Um, just because, you know, as a smaller state, not like, there are a lot of uh, Massachusetts is a very developed kind of like there, there's a lot of like really cool programs in Massachusetts FBLA, um, but it's not like a <clears throat> everything's so like structured and there's this, like huge like formalized system of proving programs and um, you know uh, or or like everything's so rigid. Um, not to say that you know the the whole process of kind of approving programs and starting new programs is, is very um, is, is careful and and you know well done. Um, but I think, I think at the end of the day, it, you just basically get to do, you just, I, I think you get to take more initiative and make more change in a smaller state. Um, obviously I never got to experience, um, being a state officer in a bigger state, so can't really speak on a comparative level, but yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Um, I think for, from terms of the cons, um, there, there were a few, um, I guess one is, <clears throat> Massachusetts FBLA um, is a lot more competition driven than community driven, uh, or that's at least that's the impression that I got when I was um, involved. Uh, I, th I think we, we, you know, from Nicholas, um, we have worked uh, for a long time to sort of make it a little bit more community driven. Um, but I think it's just kind of like uh, when it, when it's smaller, it's hard to form a community when the state conference is only like, you know, one day, uh, it's, it's really hard, kind of hard to, or no, like real fall conference, at least, at least when I was there, I don't know how it's now. Um, it's kind of hard to really form a community. Um, and so people tend to join it for the competition and sort of the national leadership conference, stuff like that. Um, whereas I think I'm sure that experience is a little bit different. Um, yeah. And, and I think, um, I guess, I guess one disadvantage was that, you know, um, a lot of there's a, a lot of things that you sort of had to figure out for yourself. Um, <clears throat> so thankfully, I had Nick 
um, who sort of went through the process already um, and was a close friend of mine <clears throat> and sort of advised me on everything. But um, if I didn't have Nick, I, I probably would would have been really lost on you know how to do how to go about things, and I probably never probably could have never even had the courage to run for um, anything national office. Um, because, you know, if you look at like Florida, um, the guy who ran against me, you know, um, there was a guy above him who was national president. Um, there, there was a guy two years above him who ran for national president. Um, or yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or something like that. Right. And it's, it's just like, there's like a strong infrastructure, a strong program. They know what to do. Um, whereas Massachusetts, I think it was a little bit more, you sort of have to figure it out as you go, which which actually was quite fun. Um, so I'll also say that I was a was a pro. And you know, to schools that don't necessarily have that infrastructure, what do you say to them to get them to run for national office to take that step? Yeah, I think one thing is just reach out to your national officers. Um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, your national officers are there to serve you um, and help you. Um, and no question is, is too small of a question. Uh, and I think oftentimes it's it's quite daunting, at least that's how I felt when I was a freshman or a sophomore, to sort of reach out to a national officer and be like, hey, can you help me out, you know? Um, but I think, you know, if, if you sort of reach out to someone, um, they're willing to help. Uh, and I think that's kind of one of the biggest things I learned in FBLA is just, just reach out to people um, and people are much more friendly than than you might think. So, you know, when you were national president, I think the question that is on every national president's mind is how in the world am I going to manage my time, you know, to do schoolwork, to do all of this FBLA work, to do all of the other things that I'm involved in. How did you do it? Um, I, I think a lot of it was late nights. Um, a lot of it was um, my team who really, really supported me. Uh my team as in my officer team, but also my council. Um, and I think a lot of it was just sort of pushing through things um, when things got a little bit difficult. I, I think I personally had a really tough time actually, um, initially, especially just because um, I got really sick over the summer, um, which meant I actually missed um, like the first day or two of the national officer training. Um, I, I got really, really sick right after kind of the election. Um, which meant the whole summer I, w I was very sick. I was mostly in bed. Um, over the fall, I was also, um, it was recovering, but, you know, it, it was quite a tough time um, to sort of recover, but also do my schoolwork and also do my FBLA work and, you know, all that. Um, but I think something I really learned from that is, is asking for help. Um, I, I think, you know, I definitely put a lot of time into FBLA, but I wouldn't have been able to do um, the things that I got to do, um, if it weren't for my team. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of, uh, I guess my answer for that. So kind of take me back to when you were at the national leadership conference and you heard your name at the awards of excellence ceremony, you know, what was going through your mind? What emotions did you have? Kind of who was around you? Just help us relive that scene. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was really grateful. Uh, I think I think that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind. When it, when I so essentially, you know, it's it's when they call out the national officers, it's at the end of the ceremony, um, and it's 
it's it's quite nerve wracking when you're spending you know two and a half hours in in that big arena, just sort of waiting for that waiting for that moment. Um, <clears throat> I was with my um, campaign team um, and a few of my other affiliate friends, um, so uh, you know that was that was really nice to have them there um, to sort of. Uh, we were just sort of huddled around and just sort of, there's like a, there's a video someone took, uh, which I'll sort of cherish for a long time. Uh, just like all my close friends in FBLA, uh, just sort of just waiting for, waiting for the news. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I, I was sort of, uh, I, I was sort of overwhelmed with emotion. Um, and I, 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 I think grateful, um, because I think, I was just sort of, I, th- I think one of the first things that came to mind when I, when I was elected was, um, I, I can't believe this is happening. Um, and, um, this just wouldn't have been possible. Um, I, I, I couldn't have even dreamed of it four years ago. Um, <clears throat> and you know, with other people who really helped me along the way, um, it really wouldn't have been possible. So yeah, I, I was really grateful. Um, and, uh, I was really honored. So then let's kind of talk through the flip side of that. What were the emotions that you were feeling when you kind of passed the the baton over to Travis signifying, you know, your end of your FBLA journey, but also your time as national president? Yeah, um, it was it was definitely bitter. I don't know if it was bittersweet. Um, it, you know, it, I think um, so Travis, I got to work with for um, my, my council. He was serving as my chief of staff. Um, and I really got to know him very well, and I was extremely proud um, and happy for Travis uh, that he was elected. Personally, um, I, I think I was, I was, yeah, I think I was definitely bittersweet because you know I was definitely sad that I would be leaving um, this this organization that I was so integral for me for four years, but also I you know, I, I, I want to sort of move on, um, to, to other things in life, uh, and do, do other really cool things. So, yeah, I think in, in that way, um, it was, it was definitely sad to sort of leave the organization behind. And also, it, it also meant that I would leave, um, a lot of my friends sort of, or not leave a lot of my friends, but I wouldn't be able to get, I wouldn't really get to see, um, the friends that I saw for, for some time, right. You know, a lot of my friends I would, I would see like every year, um, for an LC or something like that. But, you know, as you kind of go off to university, uh, it was, it was, it was a bittersweet moment where I sort of knew it was, it was sort of all ending. Awesome. Let's kind of shift gears now away from the four years that you spent serving FBLA to kind of your life after the organization. Uh, tell me a little bit about Oxford, you know, what's it like, uh, obviously I think is England still kind of in quarantine at the moment? Are you guys locked down? Yeah. So, um, England is currently rec- like moving out of a lockdown, um, in a multi-phase process. Um, but hopefully, <clears throat> um, prime minister Boris Johnson expects us to finish this whole COVID lockdown or anything or any restrictions by June 21st. That's good. Um, so you know, hopefully just just a few more months, uh, and we'll, we'll be, we'll be out of this whole COVID situation. Um, but Oxford's been really, really great fun. Uh, I think it's definitely been different, um, 
probably than most other Oxford, traditional Oxford experiences, um, especially because of COVID. Um, but I guess one of the good things is, you know, um, for a lot of the second years, they sort of experienced and, and tasted what it was like to, to have a normal term. And then it all kind of fell apart and, and everything sort of shut down for them. Whereas for, for me and for a lot of the first years, you know, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, so in that way, that was quite good. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been really fun. I think Oxford is, in the same way that I sort of described this earlier, um, it's a place where I think the community is really strong. Um, and there's a lot of really incredible people. Um, there are people who really, really, really care about things. Um, and I think that's been really valuable. Um, it's been really fun. Uh, and yeah, yeah, there's, it's just, it's also just like a beautiful city. Um, <laughs> so I've been really enjoying it. Did you know, kind of, after you finished high school, did you know that you wanted to, you know, obviously go overseas? Did you have any <clears throat> thoughts about staying in the U.S.? Or was it kind yeah. of a, a predetermined thing? Um, so I actually applied to Oxford uh, on my gap year uh, and got in. Uh, so I wasn't actually planning to come to UK. I was actually going to probably stay in the U S. Um, but you know, somehow it worked out in my gap year. Uh, and, and I, and I got to come to the UK. Awesome. How was your gap year? Yeah, my gap year was, was, was really, really great. Um, you know, it, it, it did kind of get trampled by COVID in, in sort of spring. Um, but before that, and, and even sort of during COVID, um, it, it was really good, um, I think first, I really got to spend a lot of time with my family, um, which uh, my extended family, my, my grandparents as well, which, which I haven't really been able to um, when I was in America. Uh, so for my gap year, I went to Korea because uh, that's where my that's where I'm from originally. Uh, that's where a lot of my family lives. Um, so yeah, I spent a, a year in Korea, um, which which is really fun. I um, and I, I guess it was also the, the silver lining of the whole COVID thing was that. Uh, Korea didn't really have a bad COVID experience. Um, <clears throat> everything was sort of open. Uh, you know, I could I could go to the movies. I could go to restaurants. You know, um, I, I could do things even if it was COVID. Um, so yeah, it, it was. I think that was kind of the best place to really go through the whole the the, the heat of COVID. Um, but yeah, it, it was really great fun because I, I sort of got to experience my home country, um, experience and soak in a lot of the culture that I missed for for a long time in America. Um, and, and do a lot of cool experiences. Um, I got, I got to work in two different places. Um, and you know, I, I, I helped sort of, um, I, I worked at, uh, with some friends on a startup, um, after that. So yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, it was definitely, I, I think something I really got out of my gap year, um, is I, I spent a lot of time reflecting. Uh, and I think, that was really key just because a lot of my friends were back kind of in America um, and Korea, you know, I had friends, but um, I, I didn't have as many friends as I, you know, um, had in America. And so I, I wasn't like hanging out every day. I had a lot of alone time. Uh, and so that sort of allowed me a lot of time for reflection and sort of just thinking, which I think um, really, really helped me grow as a person. So you just mentioned that, you know, you and some of your friends worked at a startup uh, on your gap year. Can you kind of take me through how FBLA, you know, contributed to the skills that you needed to work at that startup? What was the startup? Kind of all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so the startup's called Toppings. Um, I, 
funnily enough, it's actually FBLA that connected me to this. Um, so it was Raymond, um, who was also a Georgia State officer. Um, we were just talking, uh, and, you know, he was working on this thing. So I was like, oh, okay, like, I'd love to sort of hop on and join uh, and, and help out. Uh, and it was, it was really fun because it was creating something um, out of nothing, right? That's what startup is. Um, and, and that was, that was really fun. It, it was really valuable. Uh, and I, I guess regarding the skills that I, you know, um, learned from FBLA that I applied, um, I think first thing is just, just, just talking to people, um, interpersonal management, um, just, just people management, uh, and, you know, um, just, just being able to talk to people, um, being able to work in a team, uh, and work together. I think the second thing probably is just work ethic, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> work ethic plus sort of personal initiative and personal drive. Um, so I think startups, what really, you know, there, there's no one really kind of like going above you and being like, yo, just do your work, right? You have to do this by the state. Um, it's really self-driven. <clears throat> um, and you also need to work really, really hard and you have to put in a lot of hours, um, especially because pace is really everything in startups. Uh, so, you know, those two things I really think I developed during uh, my time at NFBLA. Uh, so, so yeah, I guess that, that um, and I think serving as, serving as um, the national president, I think I really got to um, have a, a very unique set of skills um, that I, I probably wouldn't have, um, been able to get, uh, in other different settings. Um, so like, for example, like problem solving or creating, you know, you know writing documents for our uh, proposals for things or, um, stakeholder management, uh, when I was you know, serving on the board of directors, um, which I think FBLA really helped me learn, um, and something that I really applied, uh, in my time at the startup. So we've seen, you know, in this last year, a huge transition from what we considered the traditional kind of nine to five to we've kind of all pivoted to, you know, working from home or doing school from home, flex hours. How do you think FBLA as an organization is going to have to pivot with this kind of dramatic revolution that we've seen to stay current? Yeah, um, I think I think something core about FBLA as, as a sort of mentioned earlier is, is community. Um, and when things move online, forming a community becomes much harder, uh, at least in my experience. So, you know, when you move online or, you know, you move to flexible hours, you move to um, Zoom calls instead of just in-person meetings, um, it possibly could be easier to work just because like you can, you know, work anywhere, you can work you know, mostly any time, um, it's very flexible. Um, so it might be better for some people, but I think at the heart of it, FBLA is so much fun, um, because it's, you know, you're, you're doing things with people. Um, and, and you know, sort of, uh, you, you're, where you're working at a, at a cafe with your officer team, um, with your chapter officer team, sort of discussing your program of work for the year. Uh, and you're just, you know, um, having banter, uh, or just making jokes and stuff like that, which doesn't really exist <clears throat> as much in Zoom. Uh, and the personal sort of an in-person energy isn't really there. Uh, and I think that's something that FBLA has to, or <clears throat> hopefully 
will or hopefully won't have to adjust to. Um, because I think, you know, if it's in person um, and, you know, we, we go back to the normal, um, I, I think that will definitely be easier uh, when, when things are more in person. Um, it also just conferences, right? You know, online conferences just um, don't really match sort of the, the in-person vibe. I don't know if you uh, were at the National Leadership Experience, I think it was called, NLE. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, have you been to NLC? No, so I'm a sophomore, so I, I've been to NLE, but I haven't been to NLC. And I think that's a huge problem that a lot of the freshmen, certainly the sophomores now, you know, we didn't have a state leadership conference last year. We didn't have a national leadership conference last year. So I guess that kind of segues into a broader conversation of what do you say to the sophomores, to the freshmen who have that vital conference experience that has been kind of stolen right out from under them? Yeah, I, I guess... Um, first thing is, I guess stay hopeful, uh, just because, you know, hopefully things will get better. Um, and, and I think I, I really, really hope, and I think by next year, state leadership conference will be back, national leadership conference will be back, will be back. um, especially the, like the pace people are rolling out the vaccine. Um, something else is sort of, uh, try to create the experiences, um, that NLC or SLC would have created for you um, on your own. And what I mean by this is what SLC and NLC really does is really, it really helps you connect with people. Um, it's a fun time. Yeah. Like you're, you know, you're hanging out, you're chatting throughout a pool, um, whatever. Uh, but I think what I found to be the best part of it was, was meeting new people, um, making new friends and hanging out with people. Um, and I guess, you know, it, it's much harder and it's, you know, um, yeah, it's just much harder to do over Zoom or it's much harder to do over text. Um, but I think it's definitely possible to make friends, you know, over or yeah, online. Um, you could definitely keep in touch with friends. You can still hang out over FaceTime. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess sort of just try to take advantage of that as much as possible. Um, because I think, something I sort of realized now that I'm out of FBLA is that FBLA is such a unique organization. Um, and, and being involved in FBLA is such a unique opportunity where, you know, there, there's, there's very little, you know, outside opportunities where you can meet so many incredible people. Um, so yeah, just take advantage of it. Uh, everyone's involved in FBLA. Everyone wants to meet people. Um, I'm sure everyone has, um, everyone's quite bored at home, you know, not really being able to go out or, you know, um, have fun with their, their friends. So just, yeah, people have time on their hands. Um, reach out to people. You've talked a lot about, not only with this last response, but kind of throughout the entire interview, the uniqueness of FBLA, its experiences, its people. How do you see the organization kind of transforming in the next 5, 10, 15 years to kind of cope with the ever-changing status quo? Um... Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly, um, but because I haven't really thought about um, like the, the FBLA as an organization in, in, in some time, uh, but I think personally, FBLA is and will and hopefully should uh, be adapting more towards sort of tech. Um, you know, we FBLA is traditionally a business organization. But um, when tech seeps into everything that we do, including business, um, it 
simply something that we can't ignore. Uh, and especially as, you know, America's education turns more towards um, education about like technology, um, I think FBLA hopefully should and will focus on it. Um, because if they don't, I think they'll lose their competitive edge um, to other organizations that, that provide that technology education that so many people and parents crave. Let's talk about that competitive edge. What differentiates FBLA from like DECA, for example, or kind of these other career technical organizations that are geared towards students? Yeah, um, I think part of it, I, I think one thing that's core is, is the community. Um, I think FBLA selects for a different type of people than DECA um, or, or other organizations, at least from my experience. Uh, I think the other thing is that FBLA has a really, really strong set of programming. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it needs to be worked on. A lot of it needs reform. Um, but I, I do think that FBLA at its core is, is really beneficial for students and adds a lot of value, um, educational value for, for students. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's sort of FBLA's competitive edge. Um, I think part of it though, especially at the local level is, is really focused on community, um, which is why I think it's so important for national office and national officers to empower local chapters. Uh, at the local level, what you're, what, what, what drives people to join is basically being like, oh, you know, I met this person who's an FBLA, they're cool, I'll join FBLA, or, you know, this advisor um, is, is my, um, uh, I don't know, business teacher, and she's the FBLA's advisor, and she, she's really nice, and she's really great, so I'll just join FBLA. Or, um, you know, one of my friends is an FBLA, so well, I might as well join FBLA. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, FBLA is, is, is a collection of chapters, is a collection of individuals, of, of local members. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's kind of the core focus that FBLA really needs to, um, to work on, uh, to sort of empower local chapters to make sure it really stands out from other uh, societies or organizations. Kind of taking this conversation of the future and continuity in a different direction, you know, after you graduate Oxford, where do you see yourself? Um, not sure yet. Uh, I think something I really want to do, uh, is I, I want to work on capital allocation. Uh, so I think something that I, um, yeah, I, I guess something I really want to do is sort of help, help people. Um, it sounds quite cheesy, but like help move things forward. Uh, so Personally, um, I think one of the biggest problems in our world is, is capital allocation, where bad capital is mismanaged, misplaced, uh, and put in place into the wrong hands. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think capital allocation specifically in the venture capital space is something that I'm really, really interested in. Um, I'm, I'm quite interested in sustainable agriculture, um, and I think that's a, that's a really cool space that focuses on food security and really makes a difference in people's lives. Uh, so yeah, something along those lines, um, I'm, I'm excited to find out where the future is. Uh, but right now I'm sort of focusing on the present. That makes sense. You know, I think one of the kind of age old problems that some people face is, oh, I'm, I'm only one person, but I really want to make a difference. You know, how do you view yourself as, you know, able to make a difference if you're only one person? Yeah. Um, Difference is created by individuals. And I don't mean this in one, I, 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 yeah, there are, there are cases where one person does something huge and changes the world. 
Um, what I mean by that, like what I mean when I say differences made by individuals, I mean differences made when a lot of individuals move together to do something. Um, at the end of the day, um, if, if, if you personally don't believe that you can make a difference um, in whatever thing you're doing, uh, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your family, within your friend group, whether it's in your societies, you know, in FBLA, um, the world won't move forward if you just don't believe that, you know, if, if you're like, oh, I can't make a difference because I'm one person, so I'm not going to do anything about it. And if everyone feels that way, then no one's going to do anything, right? Whereas if everyone feels I can make a difference, even if it's uh, very little um, pushing pushing the needle forward, um, and everyone sort of thinks that way, huge changes are made. Uh, and I think that's, that's kind of what's important, which is change is created when a lot of individuals move together. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think that's sort of the mindset that I, that I try to carry with me. So as we're kind of winding down our, our last episode, do you have anything you want to say to you know, that local chapter member that you've mentioned kind of all throughout this conversation? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing I learned from FBLA is to take initiative. Um, there are so many opportunities in FBLA uh, that are available that a lot of people just don't take advantage of. Um, and if you just sort of reach out to people, if you, if you want to do things, just do it. Um, I, I think 60 second Sundays was a, was a very, very huge part of my FBLA journey. Um, it was a video series that I created, um, in my junior year. Um, well, I sort of started it for like masters FBLA members, but then it became a little bit, it, it became a much bigger thing. Um, I, I got to meet a lot of, a lot of great friends from that, um, because, you know, they were like, oh, can I do an episode for 60 Second Sundays? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Um, let's talk about it or, you know, send me a video. Uh, and we just start chatting. And so, you know, I, I think in 60 Second Sundays it wouldn't have been possible if I just didn't really, you know, was if it wasn't just like in one day. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I'm just going to do this and just film the first episode and just posted it, right? Um, I think oftentimes you don't do things because you're scared. Um, but, yeah, take initiative. Um even when you're a local member, even if you're, you know, um, not in any leadership position or any officership position, um, or, you know, if you're the national president, it's always important to take initiative. Uh, and I think that's, that's what really matters in FBLA. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with me. I know, you know, this was the first episode, you were the guinea pig, but we really do appreciate it. Of course, of course. Thank you for having me. Awesome. This has been Euro Wang. He was the 2018-2019 FBLA national president, in addition to a Massachusetts state officer. He currently attends Oxford University and has dreams to change the world. We hope you enjoyed this first episode of the President's Podcast. We want to give a huge shout out to Euro Wang for being our first guest. You can reach out to Euro with questions or comments on his Instagram and Facebook accounts. If you liked the episode, make sure to share it on social media and tag us. If you have suggestions for the podcast, don't hesitate to DM the Eastern Region Instagram. We'll be back soon with more interviews. Until next time, I'm your host, Jack Sabo. Thanks for joining me.